going to take a bit of a break today from the usual uh, football speculation and back and forth. And Tyran Matthews been getting messages from Mike Tomlin. And is he going to sign here or not? That stuff's going to be in play for a long time. But something else happened this week that I really wanted to dedicate an entire episode to. And so we're going to give that a shot today. Good morning to you. Good Thursday morning. I'm Dayan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Steelers. It comes your way bright and early every weekday morning if you're into hockey and or baseball. I also do Daily Shots of Penguins and Pirates that I hope you'll check out. In covering the Pirates, I'm down here in Bradenton, Florida, their spring home. And because of that, I wasn't, in a rarity, back at PPG Paints Arena covering the Penguins versus New York Rangers game on Tuesday night. Before that game, Ben Roethlisberger, who was in attendance along with his entire family, was honored by the team in one of the coolest ways possible, the Penguins all taking to the ice in warm-ups with legit jerseys saying Roethlisberger on the nameplate and number seven. He actually didn't know that they were going to do that as he'd later acknowledge on the broadcast. You know, I didn't realize it at first. I saw the first um, the first time I saw the seven come out. I'm like, oh, I didn't realize there was a number seven. And then I wasn't looking. And I saw Roth. And then I, I saw the last name. And then it all kind of uh, started to make sense. But uh, very humbling, very cool. Um, it's just so neat to be able to be here, uh, to be a part of this uh, special team, this organization, and, and these fans. So from there, he lines up for a ceremonial faceoff. Sidney Crosby out there. Barkley Goodrow from the Rangers. And walks out into the carpet, places, roaring, going nuts. Uh, instead of doing the standard puck drop, Ben kind of playfully drops back as if to pass the puck. And you can see Sid cracking up there. Sid's a big football guy, by the way. So is Evgeny Malkin. And after the drop happens, Ben turns around, and then the spotlight's just on him. And you see him raise that famous right arm to the crowd in yet another great moment for Ben in his farewell. Next thing he's got to do is head over to PNC Park and actually see if he could help out the lineup. He was a really good hitter at Miami of Ohio. Good baseball player. But between that and things you see on social media, Ben showing up in a supermarket, just randomly having his picture taken, and then it goes all viral no matter the size of that individual's account because everybody still wants to, you know, celebrate Ben's career. And you can see that he loves it. You can see that the city loves it. And I am racking my brain trying to think of a bigger turnaround story, a comeback, since we're talking about Ben, in our city's sports history. And I'm coming up empty. 
This portion of Daily Shot of Steelers is brought to you by Point Park University. Choose from nearly 100 career-focused programs leading to bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees. Choose when and how you'd prefer to do that studying, whether it's at Point Park's gorgeous downtown Pittsburgh campus, whether it's online, maybe a flexible hybrid format would work best for you. Find out more about all of this at pointpark.edu. We all know what the accusations were a decade ago, everything that went on as it related to the investigations in Milledgeville, Georgia. And we all know that even before that, Ben had done some pretty dopey things, you know, such as wrecking his motorcycle outside the Armstrong Tunnel while not wearing a helmet. The degree to which the accusations are serious, I tend, I don't always do this, but I tend to follow however it is that the law sequence plays out. This is just my general across-the-board approach to these things. As it turned out, Nothing happened when it came to the law, and something happened as it applied to the NFL. Roger Goodell issuing Ben a four-game suspension based on whatever it was that the league found out and didn't like about his actions. But then it was over, just like it was over when Michael Vick came to Pittsburgh. And I'm not comparing them in one direction or the other, other than to say there's a a sentence, a do the time, whatever it is that that happens to be, including nothing at all, at which point, okay, there you go. That doesn't always work, of course. O.J. Simpson's still running around. But for the most part, our legal system's pretty reliable. A lot of people in our city had begun to turn on Ben, but never went all the way. You can get cynical about that and say, well, that's just because we needed a quarterback. Or you can look at it the way I've done, and that's to ask what Ben has done to improve himself, what he has done to correct issues that he had. And we saw that. We don't have to guess at it. We don't have to wonder about it. We don't have to peek behind closed doors. We saw the beautiful family he's raised. We saw, heard, and read about his lifestyle changing, about his belief system changing, about his approach on and off the field within the Steelers' own world changing. We saw him dedicate himself to that family. We saw him dedicate himself to the Steelers. We saw him, and think about this for a second, stay in the city of Pittsburgh when you know and I know that especially at that dark time, he could have left and been offered somewhere a clean slate or at least a cleaner slate than what he had in Pittsburgh at the time. He could have done that. We see that a lot in sports. Player gets into trouble, 
player looks for a new start somewhere else. Ben didn't do that. He says that it's because of his loyalty to the late Dan Rooney. He didn't want to let Mr. Rooney down, Mr. Rooney having been the one who made the ultimate call to draft him. And he stayed and made the best of reversing that script right where he was. It was the harder way to go about it, but it probably also was the right way to go about it. Look, I might be guilty of grossly overanalyzing an individual dropping a hockey puck the other night, but I don't think so. I don't think so. I think this city appreciates Ben in a way that most other cities would not have been able to pull off under the same circumstances. When we come back, just one question. Welcome back. Time for J1Q. Today's comes from Scott Gano who asks, Hi DK, in 1983, the Steelers passed on drafting Dan Marino. The reason that Mr. Rooney passed was because of the two promising young quarterbacks they already had in Mark Malone and Cliff Stout, and the rest, as they say, is history. So who's the all-time leading passer in Pitt football history? Yes, it's Kenny Pickett. Now we have... Mitch Trubisky and Mason Rudolph. Could history possibly repeat itself? Scott, the first thing I want to jump in to respond to is the idea that it was Mr. Rooney who decided not to take Dan Marino. If that's accurate, that'd be the first I'm hearing of it. I do know that Mr. Rooney stepped in, as I mentioned in the previous segment, to order the drafting of Ben. But I have not heard that he was the one who passed on Reno. That's something that would have been uh, much more uh, a Chuck Knoll slash player personnel decision. Though anyone's free to try to amend that or to try to correct me if they have information that I don't on that. As for the pit thing, that's a little... I know what you're going for there, and it's a it's a it's a narrative component to this, uh, but that's all it is. That's all it is. You got to get the quarterback who fits. You can't be looking for any kind of syrupy storylines or worried about ghosts uh, from the past. You know, the fact of the matter is, is that missing out on Marino, yeah, was it a mistake for the Steelers? Of course, it was. Did the Steelers somehow recover from it? Yeah, yeah, they definitely did. You know, they ended up winning a couple more Super Bowls and making it to a few. And of course, they also ended up getting the best quarterback they ever had in Ben. So the the damage wasn't all that extensive other than to the psyches of the people who follow Pitt football. I am not excited when I see Pickett. Uh, Certainly not to the extent that I'd be looking at him 
as anybody's franchise quarterback in the NFL. That's not a dig. That's not a shot at him. It's just looking at what franchise quarterbacks do and what Pickett's limitations are. He was a late bloomer at Pitt, which is something that a lot of Pitt fans will conveniently and kindly overlook because in his decision to come back for his senior year, he was able to carry the school to an ACC title. But you don't hear nearly as much about how down a lot of those same fans were about Pickett even just the previous year. And also, not that this is the be-all and end-all of criteria, but he very clearly doesn't match what the Steelers specifically are seeking. That being the extraordinarily mobile quarterback. And I know they've gone back and forth on what their definition is of mobile. Uh, maybe just so that they don't you know, advertise too much toward the draft as if they haven't already. But if you say it often enough, it's pretty easy to surmise it's a priority for you. And it is. They could not be making it more obvious how smitten they are with Malik Willis, nor why they would be smitten. This player can run like nobody this side of Lamar Jackson. This player can fling a football a mile down the field. He can do things with God-given ability, things that can't be coached better than anyone else in the draft class. So this is who the Steelers would like to get. Doesn't mean they'll pull it off, but I do believe that it does mean that they would not take Pickett even if they were sitting there at 20, not moving up, and Pickett became available. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everyone listening to Daily Shot of Steelers, and we'll do another one of these tomorrow.